it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we hung out with Matt and Nick of the Sometimes Island over Zoom video. Matt was born and raised in Texas and talks about how he got into music, started off on drums or wanted to play drums. His parents got him a drum pad before they would invest in a full kit, and he ended up not really pursuing that, but took piano lessons, and then his brother got a guitar, and his brother was younger than him, so he didn't want his brother to get better than him at a guitar, so he took the guitar, and his brother ended up getting drums, which is kind of a funny compromise, and his brother is actually a part of the Sometimes Island as a touring musician. Nick was raised in Virginia, and he grew up as a drummer. His dad's a drummer, so there was a kit in their basement, and unlike Matt, he had the drum set to play on, and he just became obsessed. He's a lefty drummer, so it was cool to kind of talk to him about that since my son is a lefty, and he's kind of being taught to play right right now, so... I picked up some some tidbits as well from this interview when it came to uh, music. We hear about how both Nick and Matt ended up in Los Angeles. That's where the band formed. They were both a part of another band as kind of hired guns. And when that band fizzled out, they kind of left the band. Matt was already working on the Sometimes Island and touring as a solo artist on it, but he always wanted to put a band together. So that's how he grabbed Nick, and the band was was full. They tell us about putting out those first couple records, where they were when COVID happened, and how that affected the latest EP, and all about their song Acapulco. You can watch our interview with Matt and Nick on our Facebook page and YouTube channel, at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel. Like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with the Sometimes Island. Morning. Hey, what's going on? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for for doing this. I think Nick jumped on. Awesome. I'm Adam, by the way, and uh, I'll, I guess I'll wait for him so I can give my little spiel. <laughs> we I'm Matt. It's good to meet you. Nice to meet you, Matt. What's up, Nick? Hey, how's it going, guys? How's it going? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having us. Of course. Uh, my name's Adam, and this is a podcast about both you and your journey in music, and we'll talk about the EP and everything else cool. that's going on with uh, with you guys. Awesome. Awesome. Are Sweet. we recording now? When do we get started? Yeah, we just jump right in. Is that cool? <laughs> that's <laughs> very <good>. cool. <laughs> awesome. Sweet. Uh, so I always start off with born and raised. I, the the, ba- uh, the guy, you guys started in LA, is that what I read? Yeah, uh, the band's from LA. Uh, it started out as like a solo project that I was doing, and then it became kind of my main focus. And then uh, in 2018, I met Nick and he officially joined the band in 2019. And he's been 
with the band ever since we've had a bunch of different members and uh nick and i are like kind of the permanent ones and then we hire on people to fill out the band for when we go on tour when we record it's just uh nick and me okay are you both from la originally no um okay. i'm from texas i moved to la when i was about like 18 and uh have kind of been out here ever since i moved to albuquerque during the pandemic for just kind of no reason and uh so i'll be living out there until like next year are you and, there uh, now yeah. are you in albuquerque no, now? i'm i'm physically in la i okay. was just in san diego on oh that's a, where i'm uh, from really what yeah. part i was born and raised in san diego i grew up in uh ranch penisquitos which is like just east of del mar and then i okay. lived in uh, up by Escondido and Ranch Bernardo for uh, up until I moved to to Nashville and now I live in Nashville, which was only like a year and a half ago. So <laughs> that's awesome, man. Uh, yeah, the family we were all meeting up in La Jolla, so not like super far from where no, you were. That's close to where I was actually, but yeah. yeah. My cousin lived in Encinitas for a long time, but anyway, sorry, I'm talking too much. No, that's uh, awesome. <laughs> I love I love I love uh, chatting San Diego when when people bring it up. That's cool. It's great, man. I love it down there. Yeah, we just played the the music box in downtown San Diego. It's an awesome venue. Oh, I love that place. Yeah. Um, there was like probably the nicest staff I've ever encountered at a music venue too. Is that right? That's awesome. I love to yeah. hear that. That's a cool venue. It's it literally is like a box and but they have this the seating upstairs. Uh, uh -huh. and, and then the, the room is just so cool. And did you guys see if you go, if you're upstairs, there's like this room that has these really tall green chairs and a bunch of like wine in it like this really yes old. right before yeah if you go it's the top top floor and then if you go down the hallway it's like right before the green room there's just like it's, yeah there. it's so random yeah. i don't know what they use it for I, I don't think it's like you can't access it if you are just going to the show right <laughs> just, it seems just so out of place but but funny enough the uh the sound guy actually went to we're just like making small talk during soundcheck and he's from my hometown um oh, wow. and i'm from fairfax virginia just outside of washington dc mm -hmm. and he went to my rival high school um so we were kind of just like bonding over that so it was a it was a, definitely a small world that day that's crazy so are you originally were you born and raised there in, in virginia i was born in augusta georgia um my dad was in the military so we just moved up to um virginia um when i was like six months old okay but, Funny enough, my dad's from Southern California, so it's kind of like full circle being out here in LA. Oh wow! What part was he from? From San Diego? I mean, San Diego is a military town, so I didn't know if maybe he was from that part. Uh, so he's from Ventura County. Um, okay, just so north like of you right, then. Yeah, grew up right near like the Ventura Keys. Oh, cool! Nice. Yeah. Would so, you travel back and forth to to Ventura to see family or anything like that? Does he still family? Yeah, my, my grandfather, he passed away in uh, 2020, but he oh, was man, the I'm sorry. only person. Oh, thank you. He, he was the only person that was like on the West Coast. Yeah, I'd go like every other weekend to go see him. It's a really easy drive. It's like about an hour. So. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Very, very cool. And uh, well, how did you get into music then, Nick? So my dad's a drummer. Um, okay. Really great drummer, awful teacher. So he had um, a kit in our basement that just kind of sat there. I think he gave me like one lesson, but I kind of just picked it up and um, I play drums left-handed. So I always knew there was like something like weird going on. And then I just kind of flipped it like backwards and then kind of like the rest is history. But that's, that's really, how I, yeah. Did you see so you flipped the, the, the hi-hat to the other side. 
Yeah, I tried doing it open-handed, but like doing fills was like weird for me. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm sure that this will work if I just do kind of like the exact opposite of it. So yeah, I just flipped everything lefty. Oh my gosh. I wish, oh man, I wish you could be. So just a random side story here. My son is six and he played, I got him an uh, electric kit during when COVID hit because he just has a ball of energy and just couldn't, you know, sit still. So I'm like, go bang on, you know, some drums, but it's electric. So the whole neighborhood wouldn't want to kill me, right. but he's a lefty. He writes lefty, throws lefty, hits lefty. And we got him a drum teacher when we moved here in Nashville, but he basically was like, yeah, you're going to want to just teach him how to play right because all kits are going to be set up like that. And I'm wondering <laughs> if I move it and or have him try, I don't know. You should I wish try he had a lefty that could teach him. <laughs> It'll come a lot naturally, but like, uh, I guess the one weird thing that works out in the favor of lefty drummers is like when you're watching drummers play, it looks like all the fills look like they're done like left-handed. And uh, then yeah, you're, you're like mirroring there. Yeah. Cause you're mirroring the person then. Exactly. And then Matt could probably speak to this too, but like when producers are in a studio, they're tracking as if they're looking at the drummer. So when you're listening to music in your car, it sounds like you're listening to like a left-handed drummer panned right to left. So is that, that right? Always, I didn't know that. Yeah. So that always helped me in terms of learning songs faster. It's just kind of like I'm watching like a, almost a mirrored version of the drummer. Wow. So then I should move them on the left side. It sounds like <laughs> a shot, man. And with an electric kit, all I have to do is move the thing on the, I mean, it's just like unscrew it and put on, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I can see what he does. That $600 uh, electric kit to go to waste, man. Just right. Especially if I don't need to like do much of anything other than, cause he plays it all the time and, and he's get, he gets the beats, but he's only knows like six beats right now. Uh, but he's learning right-handed because the guy told him to, to learn that way. But sorry, yeah. that was a little sidebar conversation, but that's amazing that you're a left-handed drummer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Small world. Okay, cool. It's so, great for the band because, like, uh, Nick will go up to the sound guy and be like, so, like, sorry, you're going to hate me, but, like, all of this stuff that we just set up, we're going to have to, like, kind of, like, take it down and, like, switch this whole thing around. But it ends up just kind of starting a conversation with them. And if you are friends with the sound guy, like, that's the best. That's the, you know, got to be friends with the sound guy. You can practice forever. And then if the sound guy hates you, you're going to sound bad. So. <laughs> <laughs> sure. He's going to make or break the night for you. Exactly. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, well, real quick back to you, uh, Nick. So you, you learn drums left. You move the, the hi-hat to the other side. And self, did you just self-taught from there on out? Like, did you... Just yeah. because, I mean, finding a lefty teacher, like I've had, I didn't even realize that that was a thing. I thought they just made every left-handed drummer go the, uh, you know, try to start on the other side. My dad bought me a, like a pack of lessons for Christmas one year, but it just ended up being me and the drum teacher. His name's Joe. I actually uh, bumped into him like five, five years ago after like not seeing him for 15 years, but the lessons always turned into us just like, shooting the shit and just like talking <laughs> we never really like learned anything i guess i learned like a couple of rudiments but um yeah i i would always tell anybody that's learning wanting to learn play drums and i learned this from aaron gillespie from under oath is just watch your favorite drummers just like watch them play and like be obsessed with it and like kind of take bits and pieces of like what you like about them and not try to be that person 100 percent, but like take bits and pieces from it and just and just learn from them so i would just like watch youtube videos for like five hours a day and just oh wow drummers just playing at shows okay and that's how i would learn wow um, but i don't know any musical theory um usually whenever matt and i like will write together i'll just be like hey matt and i'll like hum like a 
a beat or something like that. I'm like, can you just do whatever I just said in Ableton? And he'll be like, yeah, man, give me like five minutes and just. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's interesting that you heard that, uh, you know, that advice from under oath drummer, because they are nothing like what you guys sound like. I mean, it's, it's, and even the drums too. Yeah. I was so funny. I was looking at kind of uh, some of the more recent podcasts that you've done and like, I come from the world. Like I know you in, uh, interviewed Maddie from Memphis Mayfire and like, that's oh, why yeah. I'm, like I come from like the total, like, Oh, like, that's awesome. Warp tour type stuff. And it's like, Matt's like the dichotomous opposite of that. I mean, <laughs> I think where we maybe cross the line is like taking back Sunday is the one overlap we have, but right. I'm more like hardcore <laughs> pop punk stuff. And then Matt comes from like kind of the, the synth world. So I kind of just fell into this band, but I'm, I, I love it. So that's so amazing. That's cool. Yeah. Maddie is a, he, it was crazy when the first interview I had with him, we realized like he literally lives like three minutes from my house. It was just so crazy. I was like, what, what, wait, you're where? Like, it was just bizarre, but awesome. <laughs> um, so, okay, Matt, so where were you? You're born in, you, I'm sorry, I already forgot where you were born and raised. Um, but you moved to, <laughs> no you, moved, you, you, you were in Albuquerque and then you moved to, to LA at 18. Um, uh, yeah, so I was born in Dallas and I grew up in Austin and okay. uh, I moved to LA uh, to like go to college and try to like make it in music or whatever when I was 18. And that was right when um, everybody was like, moving to Austin to, uh, because Austin's like the cool place to move to. So I was getting to LA and everybody's like, Oh dude, yeah, you're from Austin. Like my friend just bought a house there. Like what's the cool place to go? And I'm like, no, like stay here. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) and so, uh, I was in, I'm in LA still sort of, and then, um, moved out to Albuquerque kind of on a whim, like, uh, two years, only a year and a half ago, I was Mm -hmm. on a road trip to see my family in Texas and I decided to go, uh, I 40 instead of I 10 because uh, the I 10 way is just like super boring. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I drove that out here to, from San Diego. Yeah, man. And like <laughs> Arizona uh, cops, like that, and that like spot past El Paso, they're just like, see your California plate and they'll just kind of stop you for no reason and be like, all right, so like, where's the weed at? You know, right. <laughs> <Where's> <laughs> exactly. <Nico? laughs> Um, and so, uh, I was trying to like, this was like pre vaccine, like just the height of lockdown stuff. So I was like, you know, like I should try and like stop at a place that is like a mom and pop place and try and support whoever. So that required just a little like, of like, okay, so where am I going to be at like lunchtime on this day in Albuquerque? I stopped there and they like, um, forgot to make uh, my order. So I was like, kind of like there for 20 minutes with like a free iced tea, just kind of like walking around and, uh, was like this place is like kind of seems like a hidden gem and like what if i just moved here i don't know that's crazy then i told my sister when i saw her in dallas and she's like oh yeah that's a cool idea and i was like what that's not crazy all right i'm just gonna do it and so i did and uh it was a great decision it's like a pretty amazing music scene out there a bunch of uh like up-and-coming musicians and bands and stuff a bunch of which just all moved to nashville and are like living at a house somewhere in nashville i gotta like come out there and visit everybody but oh, that's um, cool yeah man the albuquerque scene is is thriving and it's like the food is amazing the people are so cool like it's a very like different from la like when i first moved to la waiting to like get a burrito uh, like a chipotle or something and like just turn to the person next to me and be like oh so like how's it going or whatever like in texas this is normal Mm-hmm. And uh, they looked at me like, what? Like, are, you, are you trying to sell me something? Like, who are you? Like, are you 
like uh jehovah's witness like and i'm just like um okay and new mexico is just like everybody just like waves at you and just comments about whatever when you're like shopping for groceries and i love that man i love people uh they're uh you know like impossible most of the time but just like just an openness and kind of friendliness it's like so nice that while albuquerque is still a city it's not like that's like i don't know pretty common in small towns i guess but mm -hmm. albuquerque is like this a pretty big city that like feels like a small town the whole way through and, sure yeah, it's so fun. funny that you bring that up about L.A., though, because I, I was born and raised in San Diego. I lived in San Francisco for a while and then coming uh -huh. never knew anything but California. And when we moved here uh, to Tennessee, you're driving and people are like waving. And I'm like, what the you know, it was just like it took me a while to like, <laughs> like register. Like they're just being nice and acknowledging you, because in most senses, like if you see somebody walking down the road, they were just like, you know, even if you yeah. drove by, like it's like people are going out of their way to. To, to welcome you and say hello it's, it's definitely I, different i had that first moment yesterday of realizing i was becoming an la person where i was walking to the grocery store or something and just some random person walked by me on the street and she like smiled at me and i was just like what <laughs> <laughs> who's this creep <laughs> and that's just so unlike me because like again from you know virginia like you just sure small town smile away from, from a small town but like same you know and just i had that weird out of body like kind of moment where i'm like okay i need to get out of town for a second or something because that was just so rude <laughs> that's but, so funny yeah um did you play in any bands before and what took you to la nick honestly nothing to do with music um okay I, yeah it was um just a job i started working for like a private airline in sales um and uh that was like the main reason that i moved out here but yeah i played in like previous bands before like local stuff um and uh we did like a couple like with my band right before the sometimes island we would kind of just do like weekend warrior type things and we i think the biggest thing we did was like a two-week tour so to speak and mm -hmm. we went down to south by southwest and played four of those like unofficial showcases that are kind oh, of right sure. on 6th street mm -hmm. but um yeah i guess it's again kind of full circle because matt's from austin and Austin's yeah my favorite city in America and I'm just absolutely in love with it. So on a longhorn tattoo on his ankle. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I got that when we were down there for South by Southwest, I was, had a few too many adult beverages and just seemed like <laughs> the right thing to do. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so and it was really nice to spend a lot of time in Austin on like the last tour that we just did. Um, mm -hmm. cause it's just, I don't know. I love everything about it. So that's cool. And, and Matt, so you moved to LA for music uh, prior to that. Like, how did you get into music? I didn't, we didn't hear your story on that. Um, I also wanted to be a drummer when I was a kid and my dad did not want a drum kit in the house. And uh, so he got me a practice pad and was like, if you can do a drum roll, we'll, you know, figure out a drum kit and get you drum lessons. And I never could because I was like nine and I didn't know that you like got to let the sticks bounce and like do all this and uh, so I was like getting frustrated and he was like, um, uh, I was talking to your mom, like maybe we'll get you a piano lessons. And I was like, fine. And so that ended up being great because I did piano for about like seven years and, uh, like was never like amazing at it, but loved playing piano. I just come home from school and just like go and like play chords and like, just kind of like listen, like hit the sustain pedal and just like listen to them. And, uh, then like my brother got a guitar, I think for his birthday. And I was about like probably 15 or something. And my brother's like, 
13 at the time. And I was like, no way my, or I, was, I think we were maybe a little younger, but uh, I was like, there's no way I'm letting my brother like get good at guitar and, and me not be good at guitar, uh, better at guitar than he is. And so I just kind of like started playing his guitar all the time. And he went and was like, uh, you know, like Matthew's always stealing my guitar. Like I want to play drums now. And at that point my dad was like, all right, fine. Um, we'll just get your brother, it'll Travis, we'll just get you a drum set. And at that point I didn't care. And then we had the kind of like a family band situation going through our teenage years of where we could like jam together. And to this day, my brother uh, lives in Austin and uh, he's currently in Dallas, him and his wife right now, but they're, uh, uh, he'll come out on um, tour with us here and there and play like synth and stuff. He's a producer. He's a really good um like just multi-instrumentalist and uh he and i think like the same thoughts mm -hmm. and uh and just like it's really easy to so whenever he wants to come out on the road and be in the uh like the touring band uh we're super stoked to have him his name is travis he's in some a bunch of our like press photos he played with us at the we played at the troubadour in uh, november of last mm -hmm. year and uh it was a three-piece of uh, my brother me a neck and it was like one of my favorite shows we've played of all time that's so cool that's yeah, cool man. that's cool to have a drummer in you know that's always the person that's the hardest to find right i mean i'm sure nick you got a pick of the litter of anyone you wanted to play with growing up as far as bands <laughs> went and then that you matt have a drummer in the house like okay like let's like to jam at any moment that's at least when i was growing up you could never find somebody that wanted to play drums or the drummer would leave because they could go play with whoever they want or a bigger band or, you know, yeah. I, I always, I always joke that I can be replaced at any given time. Cause like Travis is one of those people that's just like annoyingly good at everything. <laughs> it could be just the most random thing. And you're just like, Matt and I will be trying to figure it out for like weeks and then he'll just come up and pick. like, we had this moment on tour where I don't know, Matt, it was like some sort of cable or something was like, not working and I think oh, the power Travis, supply for the keyboard yeah yeah the power supply was like shot and then somehow Travis got his hand this is in Bellingham Washington just like not like a major major city like college town somehow commandeered like a soldering iron and just soldered the power supply back together and like got it back up and running like right before the gig oh wow crazy <laughs> uh, and he'd but I always joke that I'm like replaceable at any time because Travis also like rips on the drums. Um, so during sound check, like the drum, uh, you'll kind of, you know, hit the snare and then the tom mm -hmm. or whatever. And they'll ask you to play the full kit. And I've always thought that was like the most awkward thing to do to like be put on the spot. So I usually just like turn to Travis and be like, hey, man, do you want to do this? Uh, OK, to do, yeah, just to be like, oh, let me just uh, show off here I'm for a second. Like, yeah. a random beat. I'm like, I don't know. What to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Did you then uh, start a band with your brother, Matt, or was it just a jam thing? We've never officially been in a band together. And that's my dream is to like have him join full time. He's got like like a wife and a like a full time job at this like company that does virtual reality stuff. And so that's he's cool. pretty much set. But um so we've never actually been in a band together. I'm uh I'm only like two and a half years older than him, I think. But for some reason, our grade was like when I was a senior in like college or high school, he would be a freshman. And so we mm -hmm. never had same groups of friends. But um, yeah, man, one day uh, would love that. Travis, <laughs> listening? Come on, man. <laughs> We're always sneaking in the sales. Uh, that's funny. And Subtle. then so you, 
Did you play in a band though? Prior, even if it wasn't with your brother, like, I mean, to want to leave Austin to come to LA at 18 to pursue music. Yeah. I I've been in bands since I was like 14. Uh, we like, I, we were in a band in like seventh grade. And then the next year in eighth grade, we like won the talent show playing uh, smells like teen spirit and basketball. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and I was like, this is awesome. I want to do this forever. Seventh grade. And, you did that. Uh, we, yeah, we, I think we started the band in seventh grade and then in eighth grade, uh, we're like playing, you know, middle school parties and stuff. And that's right. Thought we were like, just rock stars you know our first mosh pit we had i had this like out of body kind of moment like looking at everything and been like this is this is heaven but to this day it's like the live uh version like playing music live is like the point to me it's that like group feeling that you get like just and like a song comes on and you just turn to like a stranger next to you and you guys are just like fully connected it's it's beautiful man it's like heaven and so when the pandemic hit, I was just like, oh no, like, should I just do something else? Like, this is, this is bad. And, um, you know, ended up just moving to Albuquerque instead of quitting music and, uh, that kind of like <laughs> kept things together. And, um, so anyway, to answer your question, I'm rambling a little bit. Uh, no. yeah, I would, Nick and I met in a band, um, where it was like a four piece and Nick was playing drums. I was brought on as a guitar player and the bass player of that band. We all either like left or were fired all around the same time. And I was kind of like, Hey guys, um, do you guys want to just be the band for this thing, this project called the sometimes Island that I've been working on? And everybody was pretty much like, sure. Over a various time frame, And then, so that band kind of like became my backing band for a time. And, uh, that's how Nick and I, initially met i'd actually i the first time i saw nick i came to see that band playing at emo night at the echo in los angeles and um i was hammered and don't remember meeting him at all but i think i did that night and then we went on to like be in that band together because that lineup got moved out anyway that's was it like i I don't you don't have to drop the name of the band but it was it like a to to join them were they like established they had a thing going and they just needed members at a certain time or were they more, um, of a more local? Or less, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know what happened with the previous members, but um, I was friends with the singer and he was like, oh, like, you know, if we're looking for a guitar player, if you want to come on. And at that point, I'd been, I spent a lot of my 20, uh, of the time in my 20s being a DJ. And that's how I learned how to produce stuff. Oh, that cool. kind of just, yeah. So that was really fun. And that's kind of like how I got into any, like the synth side of stuff of the music that we make now, mm-hmm. but DJing is like really fun, but it's really easy. And uh, at least to like, just kind of like maintain, you can go deep with it, but I found it kind of like lonely and was missing, like actually playing an instrument. So I joined the band just to kind of like have more of like a bandy sort of that brotherhood with, Mm-hmm. the other guys and um just playing an instrument and being something that i'm not like front and center the singer doing all the stuff writing all the songs i'm just like learning someone else's songs sitting off to one side of the stage playing guitar you know and then you know going home and uh that was fun for a time but also that wasn't fulfilling and uh that led to i was like damn yeah i need to the sometimes island we need to like bring this lineup into this band now that everybody's free and um 
that's kind of like how things got really going because until then I'd done tours as a one man band, like driving around in a Honda fit with uh, a bunch of gear and backing tracks and stuff and just setting up and playing in like the Pacific Northwest or, you know, wherever. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, people would be like, where's your band? And I'm like, I don't know. And uh, two years later, I was like, had an answer finally. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So when you moved to LA originally, was it, did you have this, the Sometimes Island project going or was it just, you were just moved there as, with, as a singer songwriter or like what kind of took you to LA? You must've had some sort of validation or some, you know, I, yeah, way to I get was, there uh, in that sense. I was really good at um, taking standardized tests and I got a scholarship to uh, USC and they're like, had a music industry program at the time. Now they have oh. like a popular music production and performance or something. Yeah. Like that. They've got a pretty big music program there now, I think. Right. Or a, yeah. A, yeah. Okay. I've, I've talked to a few people that have went through it, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. I have mixed emotions on the ability to like go to college and like learn how to be a popular music performer. I don't <laughs> yeah, that's like a- that's <laughs> And maybe that's bitterness because like I graduated with a degree in music industry and that was right when like streaming was starting to like really become the thing. And I had just like been learning like stuff based on like an industry that was like selling CDs and music videos had $250,000 budgets. And all of that was just immediately out the window. And they're like, well, we taught you all this stuff, but we also taught you to stay on your toes. Good luck. Bye. And I'm just like, uh, okay. So I had a band in college called PS Nevermind. And we were like a kind of like a proggy rock sort of thing. It was like a mishmash of everybody's influences, but I was singing and playing guitar. We had a bass player a drummer and another guitar player who was also a singer and also wrote songs. And um, that was going pretty well, but uh, everybody just graduated and um, half the bands took like, you know, like I'm going to be a doctor or like, you know, I'm moving to this city to work for this company. And so I was just like, damn. And kind of just started learning how to be really self-sufficient until being completely one man band self-sufficient i was like this sucks man like mm-hmm. i want to do this with other people and uh that's what kind of like got me here to this situation so kind of the best of both worlds i'm like writing and producing music and then um nick is like awesome to work with he is amazing at playing to a click and a lot of the songs we start or work with like a backing track and nick is just like got it immediately some people have trouble with it nick is just yeah like, second nature to him so that's fantastic that's huge. Uh, what was the first, like, did you have any recordings out or anything out as the Sometimes Island before the band formed or before Nick joined the band? Uh, you know, I think, yeah. I, yeah, we had an EP out at that point. Or I guess at that point, Sometimes Island was I had an EP out at that mm-hmm. point. And there'd been, I think the first thing I put out on the Sometimes Island was like a SoundCloud track in like 2014 or something like that. And it was just something that I never really took super seriously or like you know viewed in in a way I was like this needs to be like successful or commercial or whatever this is like this is what I want to do when I'm done doing everything else that I have to do in a day Mm -hmm. and uh so that um that release was called bad people and I was like touring around in support of that and um that was kind of the beginnings that was what I had to be like this is these are the songs I'm writing more like Nick what do you think and uh eventually 
how, how exactly did you join the band, Nick? What's the story? Well, I'll be vulnerable here for a second. Matt, Matt was being really nice about it, but out of the three people that were in that previous band where we all met, I was the only one that got fired. Matt and our other buddy, Brian, kind of just like ghosted the situation. So they were like probably like a lot better than me. But um, I think I was just very like, like emo for, you know, several months after that had happened. And I think Matt, after my dad, Matt was like the first person I called after I got fired from that band. And he was on tour uh, just doing that solo thing in his Honda Fit. And I was like, yeah, so if you're looking for a drummer, let me know. And he's like, I kind of been wanted to do that the whole time and have you be my drummer. But then I kind of like became emo for several months and he like, um, if, excuse my nine to five, like corporate language, but he kind of like wind and dime me over the course of like several months. Sure. Like convinced me to, to do it. And finally I saw him play at Harvard and Stone in LA. It was just like an awesome show. And I was like, dude, let's just, let's do this. I'm, I'm in. Uh-huh. So, that band that you you, know, you guys were just discussing that you got like fired from, was that more like a gig that you had for a while or it sounded like you had a job in LA, but was that what your main focus was? Like, was that a band that you were able to to live off of or were you still working there? It was just kind of like a hobby-ish type situation. A, a little bit of both. I mean, again, I when I moved out to LA, like I just kind of just brought my drum kit just because... I was like, well, it's LA. I mean, why not? Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of just fell into that band, like from the first day that I moved there five, five and a half years ago at this point. Um, and I was pretty consistently like the mainstay of their, you know, kind of hired guns, if you will. But mm-hmm. no, I've always had like a, a full-time job that I've been working in addition to music. And, okay. and even with this band is like as busy as our schedule has been this year. Um, my company has been cool enough to let me work remote. That's um, rad. And my bat, my boss is like, Hey man, just get your, get your job done. I don't, I don't really care. Uh, I mean, there's been some stressful moments, like when we're going through like rural Oregon and there's just absolutely no service, but, <laughs> right. um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's been like such a blessing to be able to, you know, work remote and kind of have some of that stability. Um, mm-hmm. and also just kind of pursue music at the same time, but, uh, That's awesome. yeah, been awesome. Very cool. What was the, what would you say like after the band kind of, more solidified at least with 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 you and uh nick and matt like what was there like a big moment or like a a kind of a turning point that you saw that like really validated the fact that you were kind of on the right path nick i'm curious what your answer is to this because i'm endlessly optimistic and i'm just like could name like 10 things right now i'm curious what you have to say nick I think it was probably the Troubadour show for me. Um, I mean, I've played a lot of like the really awesome smaller venues in LA, but um, we were supposed to play the Troubadour on April 7th of 2020. And then that's right when the pandemic hit. So we're like, crap. And then everything kind of froze for like 18 months. But when we finally got it, that was just like, whoa, this is like a legitimate venue where a lot of my favorite bands, when they were kind of like on the cusp of, you know, whatever that next level was, have played yeah. there, like, I actually just was recently watching one of my favorite bands is floor and they, they were playing the troubadour and that was like right before they blew up. So it's just oh, cool. It's like a like husband and wife duo band. Is that the one I'm thinking of or no? No, there are four guys from Oregon. Okay, uh, I'm thinking of a totally different band then. I don't know who yeah, the they're I'm thinking awesome. of. <laughs> okay. I know the name, but I'm just putting the wrong artist to it. Never mind. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Nick, you still there? Did he freeze? I mean, he froze up on us. Oh, whatever. Um, we should just leave this in. Every every little bit of the silence. 
Um, I love it. That's the fun of this. It's like the Zoom just, uh, you know, mishaps. Dude, honestly, one of, the, one of the things that I'm like taking as like the most, like a sign that we're, this is like real that we're making is that we're here talking to you right, right now, man. I love podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time and I'm like, damn, I want to start a podcast, but it's a lot of work. I'm sure you can attest to that. Like, <laughs> it's quite never. a bit of work. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, but I come from, I came from radio. I did, uh, I was on the radio in San Diego and San Francisco f- for 17 years. And then when the pandemic hit, uh, artists weren't doing anything. And I already had the podcast going for a couple of years and it just became bigger than I anticipated it. Like more and more people and I was getting bigger and bigger guests. And I was like, oh, wow, like this, I don't really need to do the radio. They're bleeding money. Like, you know, car dealerships didn't even have chips and, you know, the local mossy, whatever, wasn't selling anything because uh-huh. and there was no money going into radio promotion because there was no one doing anything. And then this kind of just took over. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. I love doing this. Yeah. You made the right move, man. I took a, I took a class in at USC. It was like radio uh, something or other on the first day, the professor was pretty much like, I'm summarizing, like, so uh, radio is dying and um, there's probably not a lot of future in this. And uh, so here's the syllabus. And I just like dropped the class. The That's day. awesome. Yeah. When I, jo- I started in radio in 2006 and okay. it was like the, pe- the peak level of it as it slowly started to decline. Like this is when the morning show contracts were multi-million dollars and then mm-hmm. now it's mm-hmm. like, you know, the bigger morning show people, at least in a smaller market, are making next to nothing. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, yeah. it, it, I watched it just collapse so fast in the, in the pandemic mm-hmm. didn't do any, did anything to help it. <laughs> it just, yeah, it kind of it just shifted to podcasts now. I mean, like now, you know, Spotify is like signing podcasters for millions and millions of dollars. And so it's sure. kind of like moved over there so and the music is on the stream streaming no one's discovering music on a radio station because radio stations are picking up songs that are already booming on tiktok or you know mm-hmm. other other yeah. outlets <laughs> tiktok so. is the radio now i'm like i'm not as like up on like the trend happening the day of but when i find stuff like i've been uh uh, just seeing my family. And I think like my sister, Maddie, who has a podcast as well called easily entertained. I don't think she's released it yet. Um, but, uh, she will show me stuff and, uh, keeps me young. And so otherwise cool. I'd be super lame and wouldn't have anything to write about. <laughs> <laughs> and I love podcasts though. We like when we're on tour, like there's only so much music you can listen to, which I know sounds weird as, as musicians, but, um, we we just absolutely love either like long format books or or podcasts mm-hmm. so we we'll yeah. listen to literally everything that's awesome yeah that was my whole thing too and i'd leave i would like i was telling uh matt you when your, your computer thing kind of glitched out but like i did the radio forever 17 years and when i would leave my air shift i couldn't listen to music i had it just like audible or a po- podcasting wasn't big yet but it was always like book on to you know or talk radio just because i'm like i cannot hear these same songs anymore <laughs> or even any version of it, all that. It was just, it was just too much. Yeah. So I could see how that would, especially in long drives, like you guys do and on tour and everything. Um, yeah. But yeah, so the Troubadour was your big moment. What would you say a big milestone for, for you was Matt? Um, I think it was, I had been like struggling to get um, 
like working as just a one person band and this is really the experience of all like bands that are just starting out and trying to make it is that like before you do it's you're alone and you're supposed to wear like eight or nine different hats and switching the hats of like okay i gotta like market this show now now i gotta like do um you know make sure that my branding is consistent across all of my social media platforms and you get lost in this stuff and then it's like oh uh, yeah i gotta like make music too and if you're not if you're just making the music then like you're you know no one's gonna hear it and so for me it was like waylon our manager joining we have like a whole team now we have like a um a manager like a booking agent a uh, i guess i can say this because we're this is coming out september so we're like on a label now we mm -hmm. got uh, a lawyer we have an accountant even it's like just looking around at like everybody who's like invested in this thing being a thing is what really you know makes me like okay yeah this is real this is like you know, we're a company. I just got like, no, for sure. You have to be a company, <laughs> right? I mean, if you could write the best song in the world, but nobody, no one might ever hear it. Or you could put all your time into making the perfect logo or flyer or, you know, band name. And then you, where's the music to back up what you've just wasted all your time on? A thousand percent, man. But go ahead, Nick. I was going to say, and Matt and I are trying to still be as hands-on as we can with a lot of the other creative stuff too, like coming up with tour flyers and, like funny videos and things like that. But there are a lot of things that we're like, you know, if you've ever been in a band, you're just kind of fighting tooth and nail to just like make things happen and just like, just really squeeze whatever, you know, pace you can out. Mm -hmm. But um, it, at least where we're at, a lot of things have just like come to us as weird as that sounds like people be like, Oh, well, we've got this thing coming up and that thing coming up. I think I remember had a moment on tour with Matt where we're like, man, like we're like busy. It's like, that's a cool feeling. <laughs> You know, there's, sure. like, there's a yeah. lot going on. Like I just, I had friends like reaching out to me. I'm like, I, I, I don't have time between my full-time job. And then the other full-time job, which is this band. I'm like, I just, I don't have time, uh -huh. which is kind of a cool thing to, to experience. For sure. For sure. So you, uh, so Beverly and Barbara is not, you have another record. Yeah. I mean, or you, you announced that you're getting, that you have your sign, right? That's a big, like in September, you can kind of talk about mm -hmm. that. And do you have a record to follow? Um, because that one came out this year, right? It did, yeah. So we have, um, we're planning on releasing a single this year and we have some like remix stuff coming for some existing songs. And I'm not sure how much I'm supposed to talk about, but that's kind of the plan right now. I'm an album guy. I would love to like make more albums. And so um, next year, I'm hoping to release something like that. But I'm just, we're just writing constantly. This is a summer of, you know, we don't have to be on the road right now. And so- uh, just every day, like just writing, 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 actually spending a ton of time just practicing. It's like, I stopped practicing guitar about like five or six years ago. So I'm just like, just play guitar for an hour every day on Friday. I'll play it for like five hours. And I'm like, wow, like I can feel myself getting better. My neurons like connecting and stuff. <laughs> I'm like, I think you forget to do the fundamental stuff after, after we're doing it for, for so long, but yeah, man, I'm just super grateful. The fact that there are people that have never met that like um, want to like listen to our music and come to shows blows my mind because I spent so long being that guy just making music for no one that I'm like, this is amazing. Why does no one care? And, uh, you know, that really that you go through a lot of like existential moments to get to where you really want to be and a million people telling you that this is a bad idea and um I had a girlfriend tell me that she wished she'd met me five years 
down the road when I had a real job. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's yeah. That's yeah. It's the people that stick it out are the ones that, you know, not all the time, but every, I've done over a thousand interviews with artists through this podcast. And I'll yeah. ask you the same question at the end, but like the advice people mainly give is just don't stop because you could grind it out for five, 10 years and it's only going to take one moment that'll change everything for you after you hear a million no's. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I feel like so many people give up right before like the sun rises. I had actually somebody tell me almost what is what you said almost verbatim. He was like, um, I forget his name. He was a news anchor in Austin and I was in Austin just like at uh, my mom was like at like a work lunch. She was like, Matthew, you should come with me. And it was at my favorite Tex-Mex restaurant. Uh, shout out Matt's El Rancho. And uh, was like sitting next to this news anchor guy. And he was like, oh, so you're a musician. We started talking. He basically was like, yeah, man. Like I didn't get my first opportunity to do anything until I was 32. And I just watched everybody else around me give up and start telling me that like, it was dumb to like think that I had a future in broadcast journalism or it would have been happening since I was 23. But if you don't listen to those people, keep doing it, then you're going to be the last one standing. And I was like, okay. And uh, I've done that basically. Right. (laughs) No, it's so true though. Right. I mean, you could, I've heard that before too, where people will give up right before their, like their moment is like this close. And then it's like, Mm -hmm. uh, this has been just too, I I put five years into this. I'm done. I'm done. So yeah. yeah. And then it could have just been a little, little push, but um oh so you, you well you put out pilot that was an album right in in mm-hmm. 2020 was or 2021 were, were you guys working on that through the pandemic or did it start before the pandemic and was it pushed it was yeah it was pushed it was basically uh, a lot of the songs that we had been working on that had been that was a very like we tried all these songs out live kind of album and mm-hmm. um had them we were like we know these are good we should release them and um I'm I'm sorry I'm tripping out right now because um this is related it sounds unrelated there's a there's a single that we released uh called you stole my dog uh in like 2019 that was this mm-hmm. story it was like kind of a my editorializing of an event in my life of where um I had a dog and then didn't have a dog anymore and it actually just readopted him like two days ago and the same dog yeah he's right here Whoa. I know podcasts aren't a visual medium but uh, he's well. No, we use yeah. the video. Oh, okay. Cool. See this is pilot, and uh, so that that's rad. Is named after him. Nick actually was like, "We should call it pilot," and I was just like, "Okay, cool." But uh, <laughs> yeah. So we had that and uh, released that. There were songs on there that started to get some traction, and then it was really. I think Acapulco was the one that people started really noticing, which is off Beverly and Barbara, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, it's all, it's all kind of like a blur. It's been just, uh, the pandemic really kind of like put me in a time warp. I have a hard time figuring out like, yeah, when did I write that song? I don't know, man. Sure. Point. <laughs> okay. And were you writing a bit when you moved to like getting out of LA and then getting to, uh, Albuquerque, did that change your, like the way you're writing or like different influences or like, could you tell that, oh, these songs I wouldn't have came if I wasn't living outside mm-hmm. of los angeles i yeah i feel like what nick was describing about like humming into a voice note and then me kind of mocking it up like that i do that with him i do that with my own ideas and 
to really be creative, I feel like I need like some space and some silence. And LA is like not a lot of that. Like there's always an ambulance going by or like some dogs barking or something going on. And in Albuquerque, at least the part that I'm in is just like, it's just like quiet and like still, and I can just like think and try stuff. And so there's nine al- nine songs on the pilot album mm-hmm. or EP or whatever you want to call it. And there's six on Beverly and Barbara, but each one of those is so much more like uh, focused and honed in. And um, I don't think my influences changed or anything, but I think that I was for the first time really able to like hear a song in my head. And then at the end of the, uh, you know, somebody sends the master back to us and I'm listening to it. And I'm like, yeah, that's what it sounded like. And I think that's what I've been trying to do since I was like started making recorded music when I was like 19 or 20 or something. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, I'm like, yeah, that's that's what I heard. And that's what it is now. So I, I um, told this to Matt the other day, but um, or the other week, but I wasn't as involved in the, the writing process for Beverly and Barbara. But I love that album or EP so much better than pilot. I don't know what it is because it's <laughs> like almost like Matt went to Albuquerque and kind of just had this whole other like life kind of experience type stuff and it just it was I think he was writing from that perspective of just like seeing and experiencing new things that mm-hmm. it was all just like a kind of a different almost a different person altogether. so I I loved it I'm obsessed with that new EP yeah would he just send you the songs and be like and you were like well this is done like I, I kind <laughs> of that Matt and I's writing process is a little weird. It's basically like um, sometimes we'll like have a few adult beverages and write stuff from scratch, but Uh more often than not, what it will be is Matt will come out with like kind of the foundation of the song and then I'll come out and visit him in Albuquerque and just kind of like almost as if like somebody from the labels coming into the, to the studio, they'll like listen <laughs> the to it. The A&R is like, all right, let's day. hear it. <laughs> and I'll just be like really quiet and listen to it. I'll be like, oh, that, you know, that like subtle thing that you kind of have in the background, that's your main hook. So sometimes it kind of like rocks his world a little bit where he's just like so pumped about what are you showing me? And I'm like, I just, like, just change that and that'll be better. Um, uh-huh. And then, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the the main kind of gist of us like writing is he'll just have that kind of first cut. I'll like kind of give him my thoughts on it and then he'll come back. And my favorite part about it, though, is like he'll he won't. And I ask him not to show me the songs until the final like uh, variation of it, until like it's ready to be released uh-huh. because he'll do these little extra nuggets that like I'm just kind of ex- I want to kind of experience it as if I was like a fan. Sure. Uh, so I always tell them, I'm like, here are my thoughts, go back and do whatever you got to do. And then just don't show it to me until it's released. I love that. That's cool. It's kind of weird, but I love it. That is cool. As somebody, I remember hearing somebody, I think it was on a podcast say like, whatever, like write as if you, I forget, was something along the lines of like, write as if any, like whatever you write, you can just dump it into, into like the, the trash can on your computer. Like you don't hold like that almost emotion to it. Like it's just, it's like an interesting thing where I could see that being so hard though. Like you said, like, like, Matt, I'm sure when you come to something and you're like, I love this. And then, you know, Nick's like, well, like this is a bit, you know, and just taking those outside perspectives, you're like, ouch, like, I love that one part. Like, do, are you able to separate yourself from that? Yes, I'm so glad you said that. I've actually this. It's literally Matt's ethos when it comes to <laughs> writing. Uh-huh. There's uh there's a Stephen King quote. He actually took it from uh William Faulkner. The original quote was in writing, you must kill your darlings. And Stephen King's version is 
kill your darlings, kill your darlings, even when it breaks your egocentric little scribbler's heart, kill your darlings. And so what Nick was talking about, about hearing like the final version and hearing it as a fan, that is what you got to do. Like we, we make this stuff and then I try, I like put it away for like two weeks and then I'll come back and listen to it. And it sounds like someone else's song for the first time. You only get that one little shot and you're walking around, like, listen to this. And those are the times where I'm hearing it. And um, either Nick will tell me something like this, or I'll kind of hear it as I'm like listening back or something and be like, um, this chorus sucks. Or like this entire second verse doesn't need to be here. Or like this bridge needs to be, we just need to erase it. Mm-hmm. Of where like, I, would, I was too close to it before to like hear that. And you hear it and be like, oh, oh. And so you get rid of stuff like the uh, Acapulco was is like streaming wise, our most successful song. I was listening back to the uh, like the Ableton track of it. And there's this whole gorgeous like backing vocal thing that I had made in the last chorus. And I was just like, you know what? It doesn't need it. It sounds good, but like it just doesn't need it. And so I just, you know, took it out. And uh, I was like, I don't know, a little proud that I was able to do that because yeah. it's not you know, if the more you can do with less, you know, it's just, that's how you make something really powerful is like, mm-hmm. just go in, do, you know, don't edit as you create, but like at the end, throw as much of it into the trash as you possibly can until the only thing left is like the thing that tells the story that standing alone is the song. All this other floof is just like, it might sound great to you, but it's probably just because you're used to hearing it. It's like, you know, like, oh, we can't get rid of this couch. It's my favorite couch. You know, like, this couch is disgusting. <laughs> it's time for new- <laughs> I love that. That's cool. Uh, well, yeah. so you you said you have a, another song coming out soon and with the label announcement and everything. Is that something uh-huh. re- uh, recently written, like a uh, song you wrote in Albuquerque or is it something you worked on recently together? It's uh, it'll come out at the end of the year and I can't talk about it too much oh, because it okay. doesn't exist yet. There's Got a whole you. bunch of demos we're working on right now. So okay. this is, yeah, this is just like our creation. I love it. I, I thought Matt was about to say that there was a song. I'd be like, yo, dude, what's up? Like, I didn't know. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, I'll play it for you later. So then you can <laughs> tell me what to take. Would have been news to me too. <laughs> uh, well, I love it. Thank you both so much for doing this. This has been so much fun uh, chatting with you, you guys. Um, I do have one more question. We were just totally talking about it, but um, maybe con- a concise version of just if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Oh, man. I'll go. Um, my I, it was my favorite quote from the lead or uh, the kind of the founding member of that band, Shiny Toy Guns. His name's Gregory. Uh, yeah, I love that band. And, yeah, he said you just you have to be obsessed with it. Like, I mean, passion and hard work is obviously one thing, but like, if you look back on your time of like going through all the shows you're playing to just the sound guy or bands playing for other bands, and you're just like, what am I doing here? You have to realize that you've been like obsessed with it the entire time. It's just like an innate thing. So that would be my advice. It's just like, just tell yourself whether you're obsessed with it or not. I love that. What about you, Matt? Um, so for writing, it would be the kill your darlings thing. But for mm-hmm. the, uh, just like the band side of like, I'm sure there's people listening right now that like, are like, I want to do this for a living. I want to be on this podcast. And I would just say like, just like, reach out to as many people as possible and build a team. And once you're building a team, like let go, 
like delegate, like let other people do what you feel like you might be able to do a little better and they're doing it like slightly different, just let go and just trust. And if you have the right team, you know, like having the right team is better and more important than having the right direction even because like it'll figure itself out. If you have your, these people around you that like you believe in and you support each other, like it's all going to be okay. And um, if there's somebody that you're working with that isn't the right person, like man, just like let go, you know? I don't know who I'm talking to, but you're out there. Just Got do it. <laughs>